want to go into uh, something that I consider very important. And if you're here tonight, I believe that God wants you to hear this. Uh, those that cannot make it, maybe he wants them to hear it next Wednesday. Uh, but tonight, I want to say something to you that is very, very important. And I pray that God will give you faith and, and trust in his word so that he can bring his will to pass in your life. That's the important thing. And that's always my prayer. I continually think about every one of you in my heart, members of the Ark Fellowship, and I pray for your prosperity and for God's goodness to you, his favor upon your life, because that's what the scripture tells us God has for us, a good will for every one of us. Tonight I'm going to uh, talk about God's covenant of increase. God's covenant of increase. As we're going slowly into the new year, and Pastor Roy has alluded to that, we need clarity of vision, and we need God to speak to us. And uh, the other week I talked about crossing over, crossing over to the other side. So now tonight we are talking about God's covenant of increase. God's covenant of increase. Let me say this. The, da- the most dangerous thing that we have in Christianity, and the thing that is hindering us the most, and these things are so powerful that they can actually stop God and stop His Word. And that's what we should watch out for. There are two things that I consider very, very critical and very powerful that could hinder us that could actually hold God back from fulfilling His will in your life. God has a will for you, but He cannot bypass your will to fulfill His will in your life. Two cannot work together unless they are in agreement. God's needing you to agree with Him in His Word, because God and His Word are one and the same, and if you have been taught any other way apart different from the Word of God, apart from the Word of God, and you believe that, and you imbibe those things, whether consciously or subconsciously, those things will hinder you. And you really need to understand those things. Now, the first one is tradition. Tradition. What I refer to as tradition is basically what we believe in our church sometimes. This is what we believe in our church. Whether it's based on scripture or not, people don't care. This is what we believe. That's what grandma has always believed. That's what great-grandma believed. That's what my mother believed. And so we believe this even if it has no scriptural base. People stand on that. And sometimes people even believe and they quote a song from the radio. And that's the amazing thing. And sometimes I hate those songs. I want them stripped from the radio because they have no biblical background at all. It's just the person's emotions. God's given them gifts, and they can write things, but it's not inspired by God. And you can't live your life by what somebody sang on the radio. And some people firmly believe those things, and they'll quote them to you. Well, this song said this. Who cares what this song says? Well, it's a Christian song. That's a label. We want the Word of God. Not a level, not what somebody believes. I don't know his background. I don't know her background. I don't know what that person has been taught as a Christian. So just because they came up with a tune doesn't mean I have to believe what they're singing about. 
Sometimes I scratch that whatever they are saying and put something else in there for my good based on scripture. And sometimes people just believe this is what our family believes. And these are the traditions that are holding people back. Did you know that your tradition can actually hinder God from working in your life? Your belief that is not based on scripture can actually hinder God's will from being fulfilled in your life. This is what Jesus said in Mark chapter 7, 12 through 13. Beginning from verse 10, Jesus was saying, But you, you do something with the law of God based on your tradition. Because God has said, honor your father and your mother. But you came up with something better than, you thought better than the word of God. So, well, if you say to your mother, that's that you shall profit from me. I have already given that to God as a gift. Then you're free. And Jesus said this. He says, then you no longer let him. So when you make that tradition and you give them the tradition that is passed down from way back there. And you allow the people to walk by that tradition thinking they are doing God's will. Jesus said, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or his mother, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down. Through your tradition that you have handed down. It sounds good, but it's not God's word. But notice what it says. And many such things you do. Not just this one thing concerning father and mother. There are a lot of things that people do that they it's a tradition, but it has no basis in the Word of God. He said, and many such things you do. So there are many such things that you're doing that are holding God back from fulfilling His will in people's lives. So when God says you, you don't let Him do anything for His father and mother, making the Word of God of no effect. In other words, if, they have, if you had allowed them, and if you had given them the right Word of God, and they did according to God's word, they would have been blessed. Now you have taken the blessing away from them. Because the word of God is meant for us to profit. Remember what Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. That's his purpose for coming. And when you tell people to do something different from what God says, and they believe it, and start acting on it, you have actually stopped them from receiving the blessing that comes from obedience to God's word. Even though it sounds good in the mind of the preacher. So for me, it doesn't matter how you feel about it. It's what the scripture says. It's well, you say God will heal everybody. How come the king so and so is not healed? He is a man of God and he loves God. He pays his tithe, but he's not healed. We cried and we prayed. He's not. So now you're going to take the king so and so's experience and you line it with the word of God. And if it didn't happen to the king so and so, then the word of God must be different. Must, it, must not be saying exactly what he says. I don't care who that deacon is, I don't know his heart. And that's what we do to ourselves. So you're trying to believe God for your healing. And then you see pastor 
whoever, Pastor Goodluck, he's going through it. Well, who am I? Pastor Goodluck's going through that. Why should I even fight? You made a serious mistake. It has nothing to do with him. That's his experience. You don't line up God's word and take one man who you don't really know, and you put that man by the side of the word of God and say, well, if it didn't happen to him, well, then we can't really believe God's word. That's an insult to God. And so you, you lose greatly by basing your faith on a man's experience instead of standing on God's word. They've been giving, but nothing is happening. They gave and gave and gave. God's not increasing them, so why should I give? Look at him. You got it all wrong. You are looking at a past experience. You're looking at tradition. What's going on? You just don't give because they're giving. You give by faith. Believing that God's going to bless you. Not by because our church gives. We pay our tithes in our church. But do you really understand what it is? And what to expect? Are you giving in faith? Oh, well, this man always gives, but nothing happens. You are not this man. You don't know what he believes. You believe in stand on God's word and let prove God by yourself through his word. Not through what's happening with other people. And that's what we do to ourselves. That's why Jesus says, such things, many such things you do, hindering the word of God. The question is, God, I'm trying this. Where am I missing it? Where am I missing it? It's just like the wrong young ruler that went to Jesus. He said, oh, I've done all of these things. What do I still lack? And Jesus answered him. He wouldn't listen, but Jesus gave him where he was lacking. I'm telling you the truth. If you're doing what's right with the right heart and it's not working, you can ask God and he will immediately tell you what's going on. He is the living God. If you don't want to know and you want to be ignorant, he'll let you protect your ignorance. But if you ask him, he'll tell you immediately. Sometimes as you're asking in your mind, the answer comes. I remember some time ago, uh, before we came into this building, we were having a staff meeting, and one of our staff members said, uh, we've done everything, you know, why are we not able to get to the building? Uh, we can't build. We were trying to sell that church. We had several people coming, and, and it will come just a lot of promise, and then he just vanished away. And this fellow said, well, this brother said, well, I believe that something is wrong. And I said, I'm the pastor, you know. I said, I don't think so. I think we must wait on God's time. Some of them that were there said, well, uh, I don't think that we've done, we're doing everything right. And I, I, I really, truly believe that. Until I went to pray. And God showed me what I was doing. It was me. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> it was me. The way I was thinking. And God said, because you always do this, that's why. And I repented. Two weeks after that, somebody came in. And I didn't even believe. I said, we've had that man before. He's not going to follow through. No, not this time. He went through. Because I changed my mind. It didn't take much. God spoke to me immediately because I asked him, are they right? Is there something we're doing wrong? And he says, yeah, it's your, your, you're the problem. <laughs> but he came through. Basically, I'm saying, if you, and that doesn't make, don't think, oh, he's so spiritual. Well, if I was so spiritual, why was I missing it? 
<laughs> I missed it. But I was willing to ask him what's going on. Where are we missing it? And so he, he let me know. So if you really want to know, he'll show you. But sometimes people like to stay with ignorance. You heard the word ignorance is bliss, right? Man, ignorance is torture. Because that's the other thing that is so powerful. I want to go through that before I go into what I'm about to teach. Because it seems like in the church, on Sunday we're talking about dedication to God, and now I'm talking about increase. It seems like every time you say the word prosperity, Christians get very upset. As if it's a curse word. I've had people leave this church because uh, we, we like your teaching, but we don't like this prosperity thing that you're talking about. And I'm thinking, just because you've heard people say out there that those people are teaching false doctrine by talking about prosperity, have you researched it yourself? You're just going to listen to what they are saying out there and make up your mind that you're going to stand against the Word of God without even investigating it yourself. If you don't, you destroy your own good that's coming from God because you didn't look into the Scriptures. And sometimes we need to understand, sometimes God will tempt us to see what we'll do. Because he's trying to prove us to see what I will do was right. You remember one of the scriptures that come to mind was David wanting to count the children of Israel. How many of you read that in the Old Testament? And somebody just, you know, slightly said, well, you shouldn't be doing that. I said, don't worry about it. Go ahead and do it. They knew it was wrong. David knew it was wrong. But God moved him to do it because he wanted to get to the people. David was the one that sinned by telling uh, Joab to count the people. But who got punished? The people. The people got punished. David himself was crying out, Oh God, I was the one that sinned. Why don't you punish my family? God said, No, I'm getting to the people. Because they could have said, No, even though you're the king, you can't do this. We know what God's word says. But everybody backed up and didn't do anything. See, God can prove us to see what will happen. So we need to understand that and follow through with Scripture. Isaiah chapter 5 verse 13 says, Therefore my people have gone into captivity. God's people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. They have no knowledge. They are honorable men, the guys that they think are really spiritual in church, when they have no knowledge, even their honorable men are famished. They're hurting. Why? Because they have no knowledge. And they are multitude dried up with thirst. Nobody to give them drink. Why? Because they have no knowledge. My people, God's people are entering into captivity. They are being taken captive by want, by physical difficulties, mental difficulties, trouble in the home, children going crazy, 
and, and there's no difference between a Christian man's home and what his experience are, his experiences are, and the person who doesn't go to church. And then you invite the guy, please come to our church. He says, he, uh, brother, if, if what I see in your life is what God's doing to you, uh, I have enough trouble. <laughs> I'm not going to join you to inherit what you go, what's going on with you. You go to church every Wednesday, every, thun, every Sunday, but there is no difference. We can't tell there's something different in your life. But Jesus said, I came that... You might have life, that they might have life, and have it more abundantly. They should see progress in your life. They should see progress in your children's lives. They should see progress in your family. I read about Kenneth Hagin. He said when he, grew, when he was a Baptist, when he became a Christian man, everybody talked about him in the family. Because he had gotten into this Pentecostal tongue-speaking thing. And everybody was gossiping about it. And, and they maligned him a lot and didn't want to be around him. To the kids stay away from them. But one time they had a family reunion and they were all talking. And one of the aunties said, now, I know we all don't like uh, uh, Brother Ken. But, you know, at least you can see his children are never sick. They noticed. His children don't get in trouble. So she was in, in a cool way to letting them know maybe he is right and we're wrong. <laughs> because look at his children. Look at his family. Look at what's going on. They're never in trouble. Our, our kids are in trouble. And they're doing okay. They're never sick. That's the word of God. My people are going into captivity because they have no knowledge. Why? They just don't want to have it. They are not even seeking. You know, we're talking about that on Sunday. I encourage Christians here, read, read the Gospel of John. Some Christians, they've been Christians for a long time. They have not read that book. And you're wondering, how are you going to make it if, if you've not even read the book of John? There are so many other books to read. And you don't even know biblical stories. How are you going to make it? Faith comes by hearing the word of God. You have no word. How can you have faith? You're going by your emotions and by your intellect. It doesn't work that way. That's flesh. And a sacrifice that's tainted with flesh is not accepted with God. Everything that is not of faith is sin. So we have to have knowledge. Not just to quote scriptures, but have it so that you can fight the enemy. Most nights, my wife will tell you, <laughs> she says, you're always fighting. It's just the way it is. I'm never afraid, but whether it's a dream or I'm awake, I'm ready for a fight. I go with scriptures. I'm quoting scriptures while I'm sleeping. Hello. Yeah, I, I roll them in my mind constantly. And it... <laughs> uh, whatever. But they're constantly there. I, I go through the scripture over and over again. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. If the devil gives me a little thought of something to make me afraid about my child, I'm throwing scriptures at him. 
that I firmly believe these words, that God is not a man that he should lie. And that he said, the son of man that should go back on his word. If he has said, he'll do it. If he has spoken, he will make it good. And I said, Satan, if God doesn't exist, I'm finished. You can take me out whenever you want. But as long as God is alive, and as long as God is, there's nothing you can do to me or my family. I can talk to him. And he'll listen to me. My people are going into captivity for lack of knowledge. Sometimes there's no fight in you because you don't know the word of God. There is no fight in you. You can't really have passion until the word of God is inside of you. Where the Holy Spirit can, can in a moment of time, show you, look, God said this and look at your experience. And it's not condemning you. And something in you rises and says, no, I've got to get out of this. And you begin to cry out to God, and God will listen to you. Otherwise, you just sit there and say, well, what, what, may be, what will be, will be. That's the way it's always been. But the Bible is saying from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent ones take it by force. You stand up based on God's word because you know the truth. And you just don't listen to fables outside what pe- people's opinions and all of that stuff. I'm tired of listening to people's opinions. Because God's not going to confirm any man's opinion. I don't care how great he is. God is only obligated to confirm his word. So we must understand that ignorance is a very powerful thing in the hands of the enemy. And leaning to your own understanding and believing in traditions and what the family believes and what our church believes, whether you know it or not, is not going to work. Satan doesn't care if you know that the Ark Fellowship, I'm a member of the Ark Fellowship, and we believe in healing. What part of the book in healing do you believe? Your church belief, what is that? He wants to hear by his stripes, I am healed. You know it. That he himself took our infirmities, bore our infirmities, and carried our sicknesses, and I have a right to be well. He wants to hear that. It is written. He wants to hear that from you, coming from your heart. Because when you hear the word of faith, he gets into your mouth and into your heart. And when it comes out from your heart, through the mouth, Satan knows, hey, stay clear. Here comes trouble. But you got to believe it in your heart, and it's got to come out of your mouth. These things are not fables. These things are true. God will confirm His word with signs following. That's where I can stand firmly on God's word and refuse to fear, even when I'm facing very difficult times. As long as God is, and I can believe His word, that's all He says. You know, stand by my word. If you continue in my word, that's what it says. If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. It says, then you will believe the word. You know the truth, and the truth will make you free. But you have to continue. We're coming to that. You have to continue in his word. If you continue in my word. And then it tells us, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you ask whatever you will and it shall be done. 
So you got to know the truth. You can't be ignorant. You cannot afford to be ignorant. It's not safe to be ignorant. You got to study the Word of God. You got to be in Sunday school if you can. You know, Sunday school, they devise that mandate because they are giving you opportunity to learn the Word of God. I sit in Sunday school. I listen to those who are teaching. That's where you can have true faith. Amen. So, the truth of the Word of God is what empowers us for freedom. For freedom and success. The truth. That's what Jesus said. Matthew, uh, John 8, 31 and uh, 32, it says, So Jesus said to the Jews who believed in Him, they already believed in Him, they already believed in Him, they already believed in Him, but He's saying to them, If you continue to obey My teachings, traditional King James says, If you continue in My Word, if you continue to obey my teachings, you are truly my followers. In other words, you are my disciples indeed. Because you are continuing with his word. And then, when you continue in his word, that's where you will be able to know the truth. Not just reading it one time. If you continue in his word, and you continue to obey what you are, what's already been given to you, Little by little, then you will know the truth. Only then you will know the truth. And when you know the truth, the truth will make you free. But you got to continue. A lot of people don't continue. They come to church on Sunday. They hear that was a good message. And as soon as they walk out the door, Sarah say, what was the message? It was a good message, but I can't remember what the pastor said. It's gone. How great a message. So we roll those things over and over. Take notes. Go back, listen. We are in a time, let me let you know this, how important this, what the time that we are living in is, the way I think about it. You remember what Jesus said about Capernaum? He said, if the works that have been done in you, Capernaum, if that work was done in Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have turned and repented. In Nineveh, they would have. The same works that were done in you. He says, those cities will rise up against you on the day of judgment. And will come against you and speak to you, saying, if what you saw and what you heard, if we had heard those, we would have turned. That's what he says. They will stand against you on the day of judgment. Can you believe what's happening today? I can use my cell phone. And listen to Bibles. God made that possible, you know. I can use my cell phone and put on and he's speaking to me and reading scriptures. We got no excuse. That's why I went to Capernaum. You, you, we really have no excuse. You got Sunday school. You got conferences all over. You can fly back and forth. Knowledge is increased. And you want to stay in, ignorant as a Christian? I guess I'm talking to the wrong crowd because you're here tonight. But that's what's happening in the church. A lot of people are going to be sadly disappointed, and I'll continue my message on Sunday. It's going to be a very sad day for some people when it talks about weeping, 
Because you were in church. You had the opportunity. You could have made it. You could have made it. And the weeping is going to be a lot of regret. A lot of regret. I was right there. And I didn't. That's what's going to happen. Today, Satan is making people think it is just something to do. This is life and death. This is eternity. Many things are going out out there. You know, it's, it's like, well, we got this great crowd of people. God doesn't deal with crowds. He deals with individuals. He works with individuals. He, tolerate, he will take the crowd and teach them, like I said on Sunday, but then he pulls the, the, the few people in to, who are hungry. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. You got to thirst, thirst for it. Just because a lot of people are not, that should not give you comfort or make you relax. Because the gate is narrow. Very narrow. And Jesus said few. The disciples actually said to Jesus, are there few that will make it into heaven? Jesus started to say, take heed. In other words, take heed to yourself. And then he started talking to them. Basically confirming it. Very few people will make it. If you are the one that's blessed, God has blessings for you here and blessings for you over there. But you got to diligently, diligently seek God. Develop habits that, bring, that will bring you to the presence of God, if possible, daily. God, is not, God doesn't want you to be religious. If I don't have the time to do it, I don't even think about it. But once the opportunity comes, I'm right back. Because that's my, that's my place of comfort. That's my refuge. That's where I go. You got to develop that. And if you haven't found that in your life, Please, seek God. This is serious business. God died to make this happen. And we cannot treat it as if it's not that important. I'll do it when I feel like it. No. He caused the life of God. He caused the life of God. Read Acts 20. He caused the life of God. So we need to know the truth. Jesus tells us, you know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Now, in John chapter 17, while Jesus was praying to his Father, he talked about the truth that makes men free. Not traditions, the truth. He was praying his high priestly prayer before going to the cross. And in verse 17, he says this, Sanctify them by your truth. In other words, set them apart from the rest of the world by your truth. And what is his truth? Your word is truth. Not opinions of men. Not how I feel. Well, pastor, I don't feel that way. What has that got to do with what God's doing? It's not how you feel. Sanctify them by your truth. Set them apart from the rest of the world by your truth. To sanctify is to set apart for a holy purpose. And every one of you has been called to a holy purpose. I don't care what you think about yourself. If it's not right with the word of God, that's it and injecting stuff into your life. God has called you to a holy purpose. And God says, set them apart. 
You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Free to be physically healthy. Free to be mentally healthy. Free to be financially healthy. Free indeed. Set them apart by your truth. Your word is truth. So it's not opinions of men. I don't have to prove anything to anybody. That's a great source of battle because we are trying to prove things to people. You're wasting your time trying to prove something. God knows everything. I don't have to. I, I, I'm not perfect. I recognize that. But I'm, I'm wanting to know God more. But I'm not going to try to prove to you that I'm spiritual because I pray six, uh, six hours a day. That's silly. You pray six hours a day. How many of those six hours got answered by God? <laughs> It's just to talk about how much you pray. I'm not impressed by those things. I'm not even impressed by these miracles happening. No, it's your relationship with God. And I've seen miracles. I pray God does the miracle. I don't do them. He does them. I can't take credit for those things. So that's not, that's not what's going to make me up like with God. No, that's God fulfilling His word and blessing the people. And I was available to reach out to the people. He walked through me. Because I was available. But I've got to stay with him. I've got to stay with him. My relationship with him has to be there. He has to sanctify me. Set me apart for his use. Because I'm staying with the word. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. Not opinions of men. My words abide in you. That's what God confirms. Not opinions of men. I say all of this to go into the, this thing about prosperity and success. Because a lot of people oppose what God's provided for them for their own good. Because of ignorance. And because you see this man of God said that all of that stuff is false teaching. And you know he's known all over the world. I don't care if he's known all over the universe. You stay with God's word. That's what is important. And you change your mind based on what you see from the Word. That's important. In my time, when I was in Georgia, and from the time I came, to the, before I came to the United States, it was like, if you're poor, you, God's with you. <laughs> and the scripture is, blessed are the poor. No, it's blessed are the poor in spirit. Not blessed are the poor. Even the, ble- the poor man knows he's not blessed. <laughs> He'll tell you. So it's the truth that's important. Increase is God's will. Success is God's will. That's our Heavenly Father. And we mirror Him. If we are in the right place. There is no good earthly father that will want failure for their children. That's never right. From the very beginning, God always wanted success and prosperity for those that serve him. And you notice, God will make a covenant with those that serve him. Every time God, God makes a covenant with a person, 
God does something. He will bless them. Every time God makes a covenant with a person, your letter tells them, and the Lord blessed, you heard that? And the Lord blessed saying, the Lord blessed saying. What that word blessed means is empowerment for success. When God blesses you, what is actually doing while you are on the earth, when God uses the word blessed, what he's doing is, is empowering you for success on this earth. Success and increase. Favor from God. And man, he talked about that with Jesus. He had favor with God and with man. Success. You walk in because you already have favor and God has blessed you. They like you. They don't know why they like you, but they just like you. They want to fire some people. But every time he thinks about firing you, he doesn't want to do it because your presence makes, makes him feel good. So he fires everybody and he keeps you around with him. Why? Because you have been blessed by God. And he's come to notice, just like Joseph, that if I let this man handle my money, the money seems to increase. So, hey, I'll keep Joseph. And you can be the leader of all of them. That's God's blessing on your life. Favor. God's always done that. When he comes to reveal himself to you, the first thing is to bless you. Remember Mary? Blessed are thou. You got so much favor among women. That's what it is. Bless. Empowerment. To empower you for success. And an unusual life on the earth. A life for people to envy. <laughs> Amen. That's what God does. After God created Adam and Eve, He tells us in verse 27 of, uh, of uh, Genesis chapter 1, and, the God, and, the, uh, and God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female. Very important. He created them. Then God blessed them. How many will say with me, He empowered them for success. Okay? God empowered them for success and increase. God blessed them. And God said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, notice, if God had not said that, they wouldn't have had dominion. He blessed them with that power by speaking it over their lives. And so he made that thing with them after he created them. He could have just created them and said nothing. Okay, Adam, you guys can go have fun. No, that's not what he said. He blessed them. He empowered them for success. I want to go into what that scripture says in, in the Message Bible. Okay? The Message Bible. It says, um, 
That's the message version. Genesis 1, 27 and 28. God created human beings. He created them God-like. Reflecting God's nature of dominion. That's what it is. He, he, He created them reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female. Still, they were reflecting His nature. God blessed them. Now this is what God said. Prosper, he says. Reproduce, he says. Fill the earth. Take charge. Hello? Take charge. Be responsible for the fish in the sea and birds in the air for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. That's what he was saying. But notice what he says. He spoke prosperity to them. That was a command. You're going to do this. You're going to prosper. That's a command. He blessed them. And as he blessed them, he was telling them, you're going to prosper. You're going to multiply. You are going to fill the earth. And you're going to have dominion. You're going to name the animals. And he tried that after that. He brought the animals to Adam. Adam see had his dominion. And whatever Adam called it, that's what heaven called it. That's what the angels call it. That's what the demons call it. If Adam said, that's an elephant, God. God says, an elephant. And the angel says, yes, that's an elephant. Because he said that. Well, Adam could have said, I changed my mind. We're not going to call that elephant anymore. We'll call that a giraffe now. <laughs> he didn't do that. But that's exactly what would have happened. Whatever Adam called the animal, that was his name. Both in heaven, angels, demons, that's what they called it. That was dominion. But you see, oh my God, my time is gone. Oh Lord, have mercy. Okay. Should I stop here? I don't feel like it. But I got to stop. The key principle behind this is written in uh, Psalm 35, and I'll close with this. You know how pastors say, finally, and then another finally. (laughs) But this is final, I hope. Um, Psalm 35, verse 27. And we're going to go out with this tonight. Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. Let them, that's you, let them, that's you again, shout for joy and be glad if you favor God's righteous cause. And let them say, not sometimes, let them say continually, let them say continually, let, this is what they say, let the Lord be magnified. Can you say that with me tonight? That's, that's what God wants you to say continually, nonstop. Let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. 
That's what God wants you to say continually, non-stop. Bless his name. Be glad while you're saying this. Not, oh Lord, (laughs) bless the Lord. You know, I'm saying this, but I really feel like crying. That's not what he said to do. That's not what he said. Be glad, okay? Let them shout for joy. Don't matter what's happening to you. He says, shout for joy and be glad. Why? Because you favor God's righteous cause. And then God also wants you to say, you put your joy inside you. You are glad. But what's coming out of your mouth is that, let the Lord be magnified. Who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant? God has pleasure in your prosperity. It's not a dirty word. God wants you to prosper because He enjoys it. God enjoys it when you prosper. He takes pleasure in your prosperity. There has got to be His will. When you are doing well, He makes Him glad. He's, he's, he feels that pleasure in Him when you're doing well. When you are in want, that's not God's will. If your prosperity gives him pleasure, your poverty is going to give him a lot of displeasure. Hello? Don't pick up the phone, like <laughs> my wife says. Uh. <laughs> oh, gosh. But notice what he says. He takes pleasure in your prosperity. But look at how he said to get there. Be glad. Because you you favor his righteous cause. That's why you're here tonight. See? You favor his righteous cause. So God said, be glad. But what's coming out of your mouth, bless him because you're telling him you take take pleasure in the prosperity of of your saints. He loves you to prosper. And you got to believe that. Not what you've been taught from the time I was a kid. They taught me this. But it's not It's not scripture. That's the time to let it go and stay with God's word. I'm going to go into other scriptures where I show you where God wants everybody in covenant with him to be empowered to prosper. Everybody. It may not happen overnight, but God will take care of you. I want God to prosper you because as he prospers you, I get prospered as well. Amen. Because you'll be talking about paying your tight, paying your tight. No kidding. <laughs> hey, brother, I got 20 million. He says, yes, brother. Have you paid your tight yet, brother? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Pastor also pays his tight, okay? <laughs> because I want to be prospered. I want to favor his righteous course. Amen? I want to put my own there. You do your part. I do my part. And God's going to bless us up. Let's stand up tonight, every one of us. Let's shout for joy tonight. Let's shout for joy and be glad tonight. If you're going through difficulty financially, this is not the time to beg. It's to shout for joy and declare that the Lord, I've often said this from day one we started our church, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And the church is never lacked. It's never lacked. 
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Always say that, believe it. He says to say it. Say, say with your mouth continually that God has pleasure in my prosperity. And Satan reminds you, and he says, you know, you won't be able to pay your bill this month. Oh, no, that's not going to happen. You see, he pleasures him for me to be able to pay my bills. And he's going to make that happen because he is the Lord. I favor his righteous cause. Amen. Let's lift our hands up to our God tonight and thank him that his prosperity is on his way for you. Physical prosperity so you're healthy and not sickly. That's physical prosperity. Your mental prosperity. I'm not going to say I'm forgetting stuff now because I'm old. I can't remember my grandkids' names and stuff like that. I have a good mind. He told, I have the mind of Christ. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. He didn't say if I'm 60, 70, my mind will not be sound. I'm staying with the word of God. And I can stand, God can sustain my mind so I can remember things. So you sound mentally, you sound emotionally because the Lord is in your life. And you take pleasure in his things, the things of God. Your favor is righteous cause. Father God, I want to thank you. We are so privileged to be a part of the kingdom of the living God. All things are yours. That's what your word declares. All things are yours. That's what you said. And Father, we thank you that we are co-joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. We are joint heirs with him and we are inheriting stuff with him. And we want to thank you that all things are ours. If you did not spare your son, but you gave him up for us all, you will through him freely give us all things. And we believe that. Thank you, Father, for your great love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.